Please take your Bibles this morning and join me as we read out of John's Gospel. There are a few Bibles in front of you. You can use your mobile device, however you like to pull up Scripture. We're looking, continuing to look at the one another commands of Scripture. And this morning we're going to talk a little bit about washing one another's feet. And in John chapter 13... We find that Jesus is sharing a last supper with his disciples just prior to the Passover feast of the Jews. Chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, He now showed them the full extent of his love. Hang on to that phrase because we're going to come back to that. Down in verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Down in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord, and together let us say, thanks be to God. Well, I'm just kind of curious this morning, how many of you have ever actually participated in a foot washing service? Raise your hand, I'm just kind of curious to see. Okay, got a few hands this morning. I was not sure how many hands we would have to be raised. I've always been intrigued. I don't know why, but I've always been intrigued by the foot washing that Jesus did for his disciples and foot washing services in churches. If you go to a Catholic church, an Episcopal church, a Lutheran church, for example, on Maundy Thursday, or what we call Holy Thursday, during Holy Week, it will not be unusual for you to witness a foot washing service in one of those types of churches. If you go to a free will Baptist church, many free will Baptist churches still 
participate in foot washing services on a regular basis, just as they do baptism and communion. I grew up in a small church Baptist congregation in Raleigh, and and we just never had a foot washing service in my little home church. But I have participated in a foot washing service here at our church a number of years ago. It was actually during one Sunday evening with our deacons in one of our deacons meetings. We had a foot washing service that we shared with each other. It really is a humbling experience to either have your feet washed or to wash someone else's feet. And I still wrestle a little bit with which one is the most humbling. Is it to wash someone else's feet or is it to submit to allowing someone else to wash your feet? Which one would it be for you? Well, regardless, I think that it always impresses a sense of humility and service upon our hearts. Now, we're told in John's Gospel why Jesus initiates and why Jesus models this act of servanthood for his disciples. John's Gospel does not give us the institution of the Lord's Supper. If we only had John's Gospel, we would not know about Jesus sharing the bread and the cup with his disciples as we do in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. That occurred as a part of the Jewish Passover meal. But the Last Supper that takes place here in John's Gospel takes place, according to John, on the night prior to the Jewish Passover. And if we didn't have John's Gospel, and we only had Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we'd only know about the foot washing. That's where we learn about it from John's Gospels. John's Gospel. Now, those disciples here in John's Gospel, especially Peter, they don't like the idea one bit of Jesus washing their feet. Why? Because of the custom of the day. You see, in this day, only servants, menial servants, washed guests' feet. If you're coming from a long distance to someone's house, First of all, you're not traveling in your car or even your motorcycle or even your bicycle back then, right? You're walking. And you're not walking in your socks and your shoes. You're walking in your sandals. And let me tell you, I've been to Israel and I've seen it with my own eyes now. It's a dusty place. Those sandals are going to have dust caked all around your feet. And if it's been raining, that dust is going to turn to mud, and you've got mud all over your sandals, and you've got mud cake between your toes and between where the sandals are on your feet. I mean, you just got mud and or dust everywhere. So the servant gets some water in a basin, and you sit down in a chair, and that servant takes your sandals off of your feet and holds your feet in his or her hands. And with that basin of water, they put your feet in it, and they wash your feet, and then they take a towel, and they dry your feet. That is a supreme act of hospitality and welcoming. You show up at somebody's house, and they don't wash your feet, and I mean, that's just rude. That is socially unacceptable. We just don't do that. Jesus does that for his disciples, and that's why Peter goes ballistic. Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. 
And so what's the deeper meaning behind? You know, in John's gospel, it's not just what happens, but there's always a deeper meaning behind what happens. Well, Jesus gives them some insight. Let's go back to uh, verse 13. Because Jesus in 12, it says, Do you understand what I've done for you? Verse 13, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That's the deeper meaning of what Jesus is doing. It's humility. It is love expressed through servanthood. In fact, remember I told you in verse 1, what did Jesus say? Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love by being a servant. And if you go to the very end of chapter 13, we didn't read verse 34. But if you go to the end of chapter 13, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How do you express your love towards someone else? How do you express a sense of humility towards someone else? How do you become someone's servant? Jesus says, wash one another's feet. That's how you do it. Now, how do we wash another person's feet? today in 2018. How do we model love and service in the name of Jesus in September, on the last day of September of 2018? How do we do that today, what Jesus did then? Because you see, somehow, I just don't think it's going to work for you to walk up to a work colleague or a neighbor, or a friend. It's not going to work out for you to walk up to someone, especially that you don't know, walk up to someone in your civic or community organization. It may not even work for you to walk up to someone in the life of this church and say to them, I'd like to show you the love of Jesus. How about taking off your shoes and letting me wash your feet? That question of humility and love and servanthood could get you arrested, so be careful. If you just walk up and try to grab somebody's socks and shoes off their feet and you want to wash their feet, it might get you arrested. At least it might get you at a minimum ostracized and someone thinks you're kind of weird and strange because you want to take my shoes off and wash my feet. I don't think that's going to work. But I do have something that I think can work for us in the Oakmont community of faith. On Sunday, October the 28th, we're going to have a day that's going to call, be called Being Oakmont Beyond the Building. Being Oakmont Beyond the Building. We're going to have one worship service that morning. By the way, say that with me one time, Being Oakmont Beyond the Building. Say that, Being Oakmont Beyond the Building. Say it one more time. Being Oakmont beyond the building. Now, why did I ask you to say that? Well, number one, uh, if you were starting to nod off, I wanted you to wake up so you'd hear this. But number two, I want to get that phrase ingrained in your brain. Being Oakmont beyond the building. That Sunday morning, we're going to do something that's going to delight a lot of you. 
if you ever complain about having a one-hour worship service, we are going to have a 28-minute worship service at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Isn't it amazing how we'll stay for three or four hours for a football game? But an hour of worship is just too long, isn't it? Well, we're going to thrill your soul that morning. If you think that an hour is too long, you're going to have 28 minutes of worship on the 28th of October, starting at 10 o'clock. You got that? 28 minutes of worship on the 28th. And during that morning of Sunday, October the 28th, we're going to commission each other. We're going to commission each other to be Oakmont beyond the building for the rest of that day and hopefully for the rest of our lives. What are some of the ways that we can be Oakmont beyond the building on October the 28th? What are some of the ways that you can wash feet? I'm trying to give you some 2018 ways that you can wash feet and show service and humility and love for other people. I want to put some ideas on the screen to prime the pump this morning of ways that you can be Oakmont beyond the building. There's one that some of you have already been doing, helping in disaster recovery in eastern North Carolina. I don't have to tell you what's going on in New Bern, do I? I don't have to tell you what's happened down in Little Washington, do I? I don't have to tell you what's going on in Jacksonville and over towards Kinston, down around Trenton, and all the way down to Lumberton and in Wilmington. If you were here in Greenville in 1999, you know what it's like to be surrounded by water for about a week. You understand what it's like to go without electricity for a week. You understand what it's like to go without water, drinking tap water for a week. If you were here in Floyd in 1999, you understand and have a sense of what Wilmington and other communities here in eastern and southeastern North Carolina have experienced. And there are people, folks, you know this and I do too, they've lost their homes or they've had major damage or they've been disrupted in their work. They, they, they can't go to work and earn a living. Their kids are not going to school. D did I read that UNC Wilmington is not even reopening? Is that right? Is it October the 8th? Monday? They're going to miss three weeks of class. How do you move through a semester? It's about 15, 16 weeks long. You miss you know, three weeks. This is one way that we could be Oakmont beyond the building is participating in disaster recovery. And for some of you, you may say, hey, I really want to give a, a greater day to it than just a few hours, and so maybe Saturday's going to be your day. Whatever God leads you. That's one way. Number two, back up again, please. Build relationships with neighbors at Oakmont Square and Carriage House Apartments with a meal and, a, and games. What would it be like for some of our folks to go to our neighbors over here and after we worship together, to have a picnic on the grounds and invite those folks who are our neighbors and friends to join us and to build relationships with them and get to know them. That's number two. Number three, what would it be like for a group, could be a family, several families, a Sunday school class, to have a picnic or a cookout in one of our Greenville parks and invite persons to join them who are present there. I mean, think of all the parks we have here in Greenville and in Pitt County. And if we had some folks who wanted to cook some hamburgers or hot dogs and there are other individuals or families and children there playing and doing things and, and we invite them to come say, hey, why don't you come have a hamburger or hot dog with us? And when they say, who are you? We say, we're Oakmont and we decided today not only to go to church, but to be the church. 
in our community. Think about how powerful that could be. Next one, please. What would it be like to go and make a visit to area nursing homes for music and conversation? I visit a lot of nursing homes. I, I go and see our Oakmont folks. And there are always people sitting in the hallway who I wonder if anyone ever goes to see. And I regularly hear people say, when they know who I am, nobody from my church ever comes to see me. One day that could be you in the nursing home. And how would it make you feel if nobody, if your pastor, your Sunday school class, people that you know in your church never came to see you? Think about that for a minute. What would it be like to go? And you know, the last time we had an operation in as much here at Oakmont, I went to, that's one of the things, I'd never done this, I mean, I go regularly, but I'd never gone with the group, went to McGregor Downs, and we went through the hallways and made about five or six stops or about, over about an hour and a half period of time, and we sang in the hallways, and people who could come out came out. We went into some of the rooms. We were specifically asked to come in, and to pr people wanted us to come in and pray for them and with them. It was powerful. What would it be like to be Oakmont in that way? Next one, please. What would it be like to invite some unchurched friends for a sporting event? Tom, you part of F3. That's a men's, I always get it wrong. I know it's fitness and faith and faith. Is it fellowship? Fit, fitness, fellowship, and faith. It's a men's group. What would it be like for a men's group like our F3 group, a group who likes to play golf or some other sport, some other recreational pursuit, to put something together after worship that day and to invite some unchurched colleagues, friends, neighbors to be a part of that. And when they say, why are you doing this? You say, because not only did we go to church today, but we decided we wanted to be the church on the golf course, on the track, on the tennis courts, wherever. Next one, please. What would it be like to plan a neighborhood prayer walk, picnic, or visit in your neighborhood? What would it be like for you to do something in your neighborhood that Sunday morning after worship that gave you a chance to get to know your neighbors. Maybe you invited them over to your house for Sunday lunch. Maybe you just do a prayer walk around your neighborhood. You, know, you never know the needs of your neighbors. You know, Leslie and I were walking last night, and there was a fire at a house in our neighborhood, and a lady died in that fire. You never know what's going on with your neighbors. The grief, the sadness, the illness. You don't ever know. What would it be like for us to be Oakmont Beyond the Building in that way? Next one, please. What would it be like to um, send some notes, to be a part of a card-making team? Send some notes, or, or we have a knitting group in our church. What would it be like to take some of the things they've knitted, or to even have our group up here knitting that morning, and take some of the things that have been knitted to the Ronald McDonald House or to um, the, the Vidant Hospice House or the house where families of cancer patients go, Hope Lodge. What would it be like to take some of those blankets that have little tags that say, these were knitted by our Oakmont Knitting Group and let them be representative of our prayers for them? 
You might not think that's a big deal to get a blanket, but you know when I had surgery earlier this year, uh, one of our ministers in the hospital brought me one of those blankets. And, and it was end of February and 1st of March, and it was cold outside anyway. But I kept that blanket on me all the time because I was cold. But it was a, a tremendous comfort to know that someone had been praying for me and that that was symbolic of that. What, what would that mean for us to do something like, like that and be the church in the community? Next one, please. Uh, what would it be like to hang out at a food place or a bookstore on a Sunday morning? I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to a food place or a coffee shop or a bookstore because I always am fascinated who would be at Barnes & Noble at 10.30 or 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And you know I've never met a stranger, so it won't be hard at all for me to talk to somebody to find out why they're there. And when they say, well, who are you? I can say, well, I'm the pastor at Oakmont Baptist Church, and we decided to be the church in the community today. Next one. What would it be like to take baked items from our first to our first responders and thank these public servants for their service to our community. You know, we've got a fire rescue right across the road from Oakmont Baptist Church. What would it be like to take brownies and cookies? That could be something children could do, RAs, GAs, mission friends, music groups, Sunday school classes, and or adults could do with their kids, and to take it over there and to say, thank you for your service to our community. Take it to a police officer or sheriff's Deputy, thank you for your service to our community. What would that be like? And finally, the last one. What would it be like to go to a place where people wash clothes or in line at a fast food restaurant or a regular restaurant and to maybe pay their bill for them and do other act, random acts of kindness that day? And if somebody knows you did it and they ask why you did it, you said, because... I'm a part of Oakmont, and we decided to be the church in the community today. What would that be like? Well, those are some of the things that you can do individually. You could do as a family. Several families could do together. A Sunday school class could say, hey, we want to do something like this. And I just think it's powerful that if we got into our community on that Sunday morning to be able to tell people we not only went to church today, we're here because we decided to what? Be, say that with me, be the church in our community. That's a powerful thing to say. And let me tell you something. If we do something like this, well, not if, when we do something like this on October 28th, we're going to practice all of our six core values that we say we hold as a congregation. Our six core values are prayer. We, I, I, I'd love to see a few folks that if they didn't feel like they could physically get out and do some things, I, I'd love to have a prayer room here that people were praying for what other people were doing. It honors our core value of prayer. It honors our core value of worship. We will worship and commission each other before we leave. It honors the core value of spiritual growth. If something like this doesn't stretch you spiritually, I don't know what will. It honors our core value of being in community and building relationships with each other and others. It honors our core value of being missional, being the feet in the hands of Jesus. And finally, it honors the core value that we say we have of being innovative. If this isn't innovative, I don't know what else is. What do we want you to do this morning? And every Sunday between now and October 28th, everybody turn around. You have permission to turn around. Look at that whiteboard on the back. 
Everybody turn around. Look at it. See that whiteboard back here? Being Oakmont beyond the building. We stole somebody's seats this morning, didn't we? That likes to sit on that back. Bobby, we stole your seat over there, didn't we, this morning? You're going to have to sit there for the next several Sundays because that board's going to be there. And during our response time this morning, we want you to get up. If, if an idea came to your mind that you really like, we want you to get up and to write your name on a sticky note and put your name and what you'd like to do and your telephone number or other contact information by email and stick it on that whiteboard. And then next Sunday, as a bulletin insert, we're going to have a running list of what people said they feel God is leading them to do on October the 28th. And next Sunday, there's going to be a different color sticky note so we can keep up with what gets added every week. That's what I want to ask you to do this morning. You know, today as we talk about foot washing, we're ordaining and installing nine new deacons. The word deacon means one who serves, one who cares for, one who ministers to. And I want you to know that our deacons back in their August meeting, they blessed and affirmed this idea of Oakmont being a church that moves into the community with acts of service done in love and humility. So folks, get your basin of water. Get your towel out. Let's do some foot washing on October the 28th, and let's do it with humility and love as an act of service because I think this is what it means to be Oakmont beyond the building.